If you recall, we have been looking at the books of First and Second Timothy over the past few weeks or so, and we looked at First Timothy and all of its chapters, and now we are in the book of Second Timothy. And if you remember, as we came to the book of Second Timothy, that as Paul is writing these words to Timothy, these are the last words that he will share with Timothy before his departure, as his departure is at hand. Paul's life is about to end. And so these are very important words that he is sharing with Timothy in this book. Keep it in mind also that as we look at Second uh, Timothy and, and First Timothy, we've been talking about these are letters to the bride because the Holy Spirit has inspired Paul to write these words as these are to Timothy for the church. So these words are very appropriate for us today as the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. You may have, uh, I may have, heard, you may have heard me say this before and tell this before, but uh, uh, I, from 1994 until 2002, I was able to serve in the United States uh, Navy Reserves as a chaplain. It was a wonderful privilege, and it was a great ministry uh, while we were there doing those things. Again, it was a reservist. But uh, one of the things that you have to do when you're in the military is you have to do physical training. So there's a lot of exercise, a lot of running, that sort of thing. And in the Navy, you, every six months, and I think this may be the case in all the branches, there's a PT test, a physical training test. And so because of that, in the Navy at the time, we had to run a mile and a half. And so I did a lot of running. Uh, obviously, it's apparent that I don't do that anymore. But anyway, uh, I did a lot of running. And as I would run and prepare for the, the PT test every six months, there are a couple of things that I learned while I was running. The first thing that I learned is I am not a runner. Okay? <laughs> Simply put, I am not a runner. But the second thing that I learned as a runner is that it's as much a mental thing as it is a physical thing when you run. You have to be thinking the right way before you begin the race or begin the run and while you're running. If at the beginning you say, man, I hate this, I dread this, I don't want to do this, man, I can't even see the end, then it's going to be a bad run, right? But if you want it to be, be you got to play a mind game with yourself, you, you sort of psych yourself up about it, and you say, it's a good day, it's a good run, I'm going, I, can, I just know it's just up around the corner when I get that, I'll be done. And so you have to sort of think certain ways in order to endure in the running. Now, as we come to 2 Timothy chapter 2, if you will recall, Paul has spoken to Timothy and writes to Timothy here these last words, these very important words for him. And as he writes this letter in chapter 1, it was for him, he reminded Timothy to be faithful. Encourages him to stick to it, to stay at it, to guard the gospel. And now as we come to chapter 2, Timothy will need to endure suffering, Paul says. Paul says there's some, there's, you need to be diligent in the task. You need to endure because there are going to be some tough times that are before you. So remember, this is Paul's last words to Timothy. You need these things that he needs to know. There's going to be some tough times, Timothy, that are yet before you. You need to understand that. And so Paul tells him what and how he needs to be thinking and how he needs to be living in order to keep pressing on. So he tells Timothy that Timothy needs to be focused. And brothers and sisters, listen, that applies to us as well. And all that we're facing in this life, in this world, we as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, you need to be focused. Amen? Well, we're going to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 in honor and reverence to the Word of God. If you'd please stand as I read this passage of Scripture for us this morning. 26 verses. And Paul writes to Timothy... And he says these words. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who are able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hard-working farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. 
Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This is a faithful saying, if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection's already passed. They overthrow the faith of some. But nevertheless, the sealed founda- the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also useful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word this morning, and we pray, Lord, that in the environment and in the culture in which we live today, that you would speak very clearly to our hearts today about how even as today as followers of Jesus Christ and all that we face and all that's going on, maybe in the world around us, certainly, but in our lives possibly as well individually, how we are to be focused. Help us to understand what that focus is to look like and how we are to live and what we're to center our lives upon. And God, I pray that if there are those here who don't know Jesus, that Lord, this would be the time where they give their heart to you in complete surrender. But also, Father, for those of us who do know you, maybe a time, Lord, where you refresh us and recharge us. Lord, may it challenge us, convict us, change us. May you call us out. May you do what you need to do in our hearts and our lives. We would be the people of God to live out this life called being faithful followers of Jesus, but also keeping our eyes fixed upon you. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in every heart and life. Be with me, Lord, as I preach. I pray, Father, that you'd use me simply as your instrument. But, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth, meditation of your heart, be, my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see the bulletin and the outline for the bulletin, and you see that there's two points. Don't, don't get too excited about that, all right? I'm just saying but just follow along. There's a lot to cover here in these 26 passages of, of uh, Scripture and the verses of Scripture, and I think there's much to be seen. But as we come to this passage of Scripture, we see that Paul says to Timothy, to Timothy, look, Timothy, you're going to face difficulties. He said that in, in chapter 1. It carries over into chapter 2. You're going to face difficulties. Timothy, look, you need to know that people are going to oppose you. Some, when you even consider them to be fellow believers in Christ, may turn on you, Timothy. and You may suffer, and indeed, you probably will suffer. But Timothy, here's the thing. No matter what it is that you are facing, you be focused. You be focused. And so, friends, listen. God's Word applies to all of us as well with these passages of Scripture. No matter what we're facing in this world, and hear this, brothers and sisters, it will get worse. It will get worse. No matter what you're facing in this world or what we're facing in our lives as believers, and hear this, brothers and sisters, no matter what you're facing in your life as a believer, it will get better. Amen? It will get better. No matter what it is that we're facing, as believers, as followers of Jesus, just as Paul said to Timothy, the Lord says to us here, 
You be focused. Now, what we find here in this scripture, as you look at these 26 verses, we find that first off, the first point is that be focused on these useful images. Paul here gives us some useful images that we're going to look at in just a few minutes. And those useful images really are useful images, first off, of endurance, but also of diligence. And under the subheading of endurance, there's four images that we'll find in verses 1 through 6. And then from 15 to the end of the chapter, we'll find three more images that are uh, images of diligence. But before Paul steps into these useful images, he says in verse 1 to Timothy, You therefore, my son, as he has a great love for Timothy, he is a spiritual son to him, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You be strong. The word strong there means to have the power and show yourself to have the power. Be strong. And where does this strength come from? It comes in the grace uh, that is in Christ Jesus. You see, Timothy, because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, because your life has been changed by the grace of God in Christ Jesus, you now are no longer the same. You have been changed by Christ Jesus. And as you have been changed by Christ Jesus, you are empowered by his spirit. Be strong in that. And you see, friends, now, if you remember from chapter 1, he talks about how uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear or cowardice or timidity, but rather he's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Remember that? This is the thing that we have, and we have this, this spirit of power. And so he tells him that you are empowered by the spirit, and as you're empowered by the spirit, be strong and focus on these useful images and how you are to live this life as you're facing all the struggles that you're bound to face and even facing even now, all the difficulties of life, all the difficulties of the world. Here is how, here's what you are to focus on these images to living this way. And the first one is this, found in verse 2, be a disciple-making disciple. A disciple-making disciple. Let's look at verse 2. He said, Paul says to Timothy, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Paul is saying, look, the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that which you have heard me proclaiming about who Jesus is, the truth of God, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying, look, that which you have heard from me, you commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, in other words, you point people to Jesus with the gospel. And as you point people to Jesus, you begin to disciple them and mentor them and pour into them and invest in them and train them. And you stay at the task at hand and you be this disciple-making disciple. Why is that important? Well, it's important because Paul knew what Timothy needed to know. What we need to know today is that this is the answer that the world needs. His name is Jesus. And so he is telling Timothy that as you face the struggles in life, as you face the difficulties, as we have these issues, as the world continues to oppress us and continues to move in against us, Timothy, you keep the main thing, the main thing. Make disciples. Amen? Be this disciple-making disciple. The second image we have here is not only of a disciple-making disciple, but we find in verse 3 and 4 to be a sold-out soldier. He says, you be a sold-out soldier. Look at verse 3. He says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You're to endure hardship. You're to share. The the word really means to share in the hardship. You're to to share the hardship together as soldiers. You have this commonality together. You're soldiers together for Jesus Christ. We're all in this together as soldiers of Jesus Christ. We're all in this together. So here's Timothy. Paul is saying, Timothy, look, we're in this. You and I are in this together. I'm suffering. We're going through this, but we're brothers. We're disciples. We're soldiers together. And we are to share the hardship, endure the hardship together. Notice he says to, to share in the hardship, to endure the hardship, not run from it, not quit, 
not sink into the shadows, but endure the hardship, share in the suffering with the other soldiers, with the other disciples, those who are others, the followers of Jesus Christ. We share in this hardship. Brothers and sisters, even though we're here today in the comfort of a church, uh, as we deal with oppression, as we deal with the struggles in the life, we still share in the hardships of those other brothers and sisters who are around the world who are facing persecution. We share the hardship together. Not only those who are around the world today, but even those in, the, in our history, in our forefathers before us, we share in that hardship. When we endure, we are sharing in their hardship. He says in verse 4, As this sold-out soldier, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. In other words, you are a soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're in the Marine Corps and you prefer that to be that I'm a Marine in the, in the, army, in the, in the Corps of Jesus Christ, you go for it. Amen? Or if you are in uh, the Navy and you want to be a sailor for Jesus Christ, whatever it is, friends, we are all in this together, but we're to be sold out to Jesus. Amen? Because he is the commanding officer. And we're to be sold out to him. We are to be devoted to him. And we're to please our commanding officer, Jesus Christ. And we're not to get, and he's talking about here, not to get entangled or caught up in the things of this life. But rather, he is to be our priority. We're to be serving and following him. We endure. We live this life in the midst of what is going on in the world as a disciple-making disciple, but also a sold-out soldier for Jesus Christ. And by the way, because we're soldiers, that means that we, the Christian life is indeed a warfare. And by the way, we're not part-time, but we're on active duty all the time. Amen? All the time. We're to be sold-out soldiers of Jesus Christ. The third image we find here is not only of a disciple-making disciple, a sold-out soldier, but an able athlete. An able athlete. Look at verse 5. Paul says to Timothy, look, you need to be focused in all that you're facing. Also, if anyone uh, competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. This athlete is able, an able athlete, because he's saying he follows the rules. We know that an athlete follows the rules, otherwise they become disqualified. We also know that an athlete is able because they've been disciplined in what it is that they're doing. They're striving for the prize. So Paul is saying to Timothy, be focused on the image of an athlete and apply it to your life, Timothy. In other words, you stay true to the word. You stay true to the word. You follow the rules. You stay true to the, to the word. And you be, dis, be disciplined in your walk. And you keep your eyes on the prize. Look, friends. As we think about these images already. This disciple-making disciple. This sold-out soldier who's in warfare. Completely devoted to the commander-in-chief. And the able athlete who's disciplined, who's sticking to it, who's continually working hard at it, uh, who is striving for the prize, none of these are easy. Amen? Amen. None of this is easy. None of this is a cakewalk. This week I went to pick up Lydia from um, practice. Uh, just so you know, before I begin this, Lydia gave me permission to share this story, okay? So Lydia has made the JV volleyball team at Richmond Christian School, and we're very proud of that. And so she's missed a few weeks because we were on vacation, uh, but she's started practice this week. And so I went to pick her up from practice one day, and as we were in the car, came back, we were talking about our volleyball practice, and our conversation went something like this. She said, I want to be a good volleyball player, but I don't like how my body hurts after all that practice. She said something to the effect of, I wish I could just be good without all the practice. We can connect with that, can't we? I said, well, sugar, it takes some time. You know, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to spend some time. It's going to take some hard work, and, and you've got to keep at it, but you'll get there. You'll get there. You see, friends, to be the athlete... You must endure. You stay true to the rules, otherwise you would get disqualified. You discipline yourself, you stay at the task, and you keep your eyes on the prize. It's not always easy. 
But Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, this passage came to mind where it tells us there, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with what? Come on now. Y'all can read, right? Let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You see, friends, to endure what it is that we are facing in this world or in our life, we are to be focused. Thinking and living like these things that Paul has set forth as he's been inspired by the Holy Spirit, as followers of Jesus Christ, being disciple, making disciples, keeping the main thing, the main thing, being a sold-out soldier, being devoted to our CO, our commander-in-chief, the one that we are giving our all for, doing this together, being the able athlete, being disciplined, striving for the prize. And then there's a fourth image here in this image of endurance is one of a faithful farmer. A faithful farmer. Look at verse 6. He says, the hard-working farmer must, for, must be first to partake of the crops. The hard-working farmer. So this is a faithful farmer. And the faithful farmer is faithful to labor to the point of exhaustion. Hard-working farmer. When I was a boy, most all of my memories as a kid, especially during the summertime, were at my grandma Anthony's house. You've seen her picture in... When we showed, when she was the one holding my grandson um, last year, I believe we showed that. Grandma Anthony. But as a kid coming up through, uh, during the summertime especially, when I would come to the supper table, my granddaddy uh, had a garden. He kept a garden all summer long. And uh, so when many times, and I love this stuff, when I would come to the table, Grandma had taken those new potatoes, boiled them in butter and salt and pepper, and a tomato sliced fresh-grown tomatoes, butter beans that she had boiled in butter and salt and pepper. And then she had corn on the cob that we had butter all over that and salt and pepper. And then we liked onions, too, as well on the table. And then Grandma would have her, her homemade hot buttered biscuits. Mm, let's just think about that for a minute, all right? Woo. Man, it's getting to be about that time, isn't it? Anyway, while I was sitting there at the table and I, would think, and I was enjoying this great meal and this delicious, delicious uh, vegetables, you know, I thought, you know, mom bought stuff like this at the grocery store in cans, whatever, and it didn't taste anything like this. And I decided, boy, I, when I get older and have my own place, I want to have a garden. And I want to have that garden. I want to have fruit and vegetables just like this. I don't know if I can make grandma's bread, but which is a whole other story for a different day, by the way. But, but I definitely want to have this garden. Have, and, so, and so as I got older and, and uh, Angie and I were uh, living on the eastern shore, I had my first garden uh, out there, and I realized something. I realized it was hard work. Hard work. You see, when I sat to the table with my grandma and my granddaddy, all I saw was the harvest. I didn't see my granddaddy out in that garden planting seed and sweating. And I didn't see him out there watering to keep those plants alive, and while he's doing that, he's sweating. I didn't see him out there weeding that garden with a hoe, hitting those rocks every now and again, just the the sweat pouring. I didn't see him out there straining over these, these plants. I didn't see him debugging those plants are picking the, the fruit. No, I, I did not see the hard work. Beloved, listen. Being a follower of Jesus is not always easy. As a matter of fact, it is hard work that others may not see nor may they appreciate. But friends, listen. Paul is saying to Timothy, look, be like the hard-working farmer. You give it all you've got. You labor to the point of exhaustion. You work and you work and you work because the harvest is great. Amen? The harvest is great. People may not see or appreciate all that you've done, but you stay at it because the harvest is great. Now, as we think about these images of endurance, we're reminded that the Christian life is not a life of ease. It's not. 
Some see being a follower of Jesus as the pursuit of comfort or the pursuit of ease. When in reality there is a difficulty, there is suffering, there are trials, we are to endure, but we are to endure keeping at the task of, of disciple-making. We're to seek to please our commanding officer in this warfare in which we're in. We're to bring, uh, be disciplined, striving, straining forward, and working hard faithfully, even though nobody may know but the Lord. But we endure because the harvest is great. He's telling Timothy, Timothy, be focused. Live this life out. No matter the struggles that are going on in the, in the world around you, you be focused as you face these struggles, as you face this suffering, as you face these, face these difficulties. You stay true to the gospel. And you do these things. Use these images of endurance. But then there's a second set, these images of diligence. And there's three of these. These images of diligence. And we find in verse 15... He says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So this first image here, he says, to be diligent. The word diligent means a zealous persistence. So he's saying, you present yourself to the Lord with great diligence to be, first off, an approved worker. To be an approved worker. The word approved means to be tried and found acceptable as, as metal is tried and found acceptable. You are to be approved and tested and found acceptable. He's saying to Timothy, look, in a day of false teaching, in a day of false doctrine, in a day of false priorities, and the world is pressing in, you be a worker who does not need to be ashamed. You stay true to the word of God. You stick to the word of God. Matter of fact, he says, rightly dividing the word of truth. The word there, rightly dividing, rightly, is the word orthotomeo. Orthotomeo. When you hear that, you think of words like orthodontist, or orthopedic, or orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is aligning doctrine with scripture. Orthodontist which we know plenty about in the Anthony household, by the way, is about straightening teeth, right? Orthopedics deals with bones and getting them straight. So this orthotomeo means straight, cut. And so he's saying here to cut straight, rightly dividing, cut straight the word of truth. So he's saying to Timothy, look, Timothy, as you teach this truth, as you teach the word, as you tell it, as you meditate on it, as you live it, you stay true to the word of God. In other words, Timothy, you cut a straight line over against all that's false. In other words, Timothy, don't compromise the word. Don't compromise the word. Don't give in to the crowd and don't give in to the culture. You cut it straight. Why? Because the word of God, as Joe preached on last week, is powerful. Amen? It's powerful. It is the word of God. And so we are to stay true to the word. Yes, we love as Christ taught us to love, but we do not compromise the scripture. We're to be focused, he says, on these images of diligence as an approved worker in the word. But then secondly, the second image here is to be a vessel of honor. To be a vessel of honor. Look at verses 19 through 21. He says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And so we see here this image. Okay, Timothy, as you're facing the, the, the oppression of the world, the struggles that you're going to deal with, uh, people going against you, you need to be maintained and be a vessel of honor. So as a believer, no matter what you face in life, no matter the, uh, the opposition, no matter the oppression, you do what is right and you live as salt and light in this world. He says it to him there, in verse, 20, in verse 19, I believe, he says, let, uh, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. In other words, don't live like the rest of the world. 
Don't live like a sinful person. Depart from iniquity. Depart from, be diligent to depart from iniquity, to depart from evil, to depart from wickedness, to depart from wrongdoing. Be a vessel of honor. Now, Paul talks about there are different kinds of vessels in the house. He talks about some for honor and some for dishonor. And here, Paul is saying, let's make the choice here to be vessels of honor. Well, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a vessel of honor? Well, he explains that in the, in the, part, that, uh, rest, the rest of that verse there in verse 21. A vessel of honor is one who is sanctified. The word sanctified means that we're set apart, means that we're separate from the world. It means someone who is emptied of the old life. We're now new creations in Christ because of Jesus. We're now holy before God, so we are sanctified. So be a vessel of honor that is sanctified and separate from the world, holy in the sight of God. Useful also, he says, useful for the master. So you're to be a servant who is used by the master, who is helpful to the master. Following Jesus means that we are to be diligent, sanctified, set apart, useful for the master as vessels of honor, but also, he says, to be prepared for every good work. That means that this vessel of honor is to be holy, is to be set apart, useful as a servant for the master, but also prepared for every good work. It means you're available, you're ready, saying, Lord, here I am. There's no hesitation. Just like a disciple-making disciple, a sold-out soldier, able athlete, and a faithful farmer are to be ready, so we are to be ready as well. And so Paul says to Timothy, see these useful images of diligence and approved worker, vessel honor. He says, focus on these, live like this, but then here there's one more. Here's the third one. Be focused as an image, on the image of diligence, diligence as a holy, humble servant. And then in verses 22 through 25, we see what that looks like. He says, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness. That's holiness. Pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace with those who call on the Lord. But flee those youthful lusts. That's illicit sexual desires. Flee the things of the youth. Flee those desires of pride, desires of wealth, desires of prestige. And pursue this holiness. And don't cut any corners. Pursue this righteousness. Pursue the faith. Pursue the love. And pursue peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Stick to it, Timothy. Be a holy servant. Be a humble servant. Verses 23 He says, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Brothers and sisters, we need to hear that today, don't we? I mean, there's a whole lot of foolish and ignorant disputes that are going on in our world today. And as believers, our aim is not to get involved in foolish and ignorant disputes because they generate strife. Our goal is and shall always be and should always be one thing. To point people to Jesus. Amen? Point people to Jesus. Don't get caught up in all the stuff. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Then he says, be a servant of the Lord. Must not quarrel, but be gentle, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So be this holy, humble servant. So Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, in the midst of the struggles, in the midst of all the difficulties, in the midst of all that you're facing in your life, but also in the world, you be focused on these useful images of endurance, of a disciple-making disciple, a sold-out soldier, the able athlete, the the faithful farmer. You have this image, and you keep working toward being this man of God uh, who is diligent as being an approved worker, as being a vessel of honor, and a holy, humble servant. Now, couched within that... As he's told Timothy the command of what he must do, he then reminds Timothy of how to stay focused and how to remain strong and how to endure and how to be diligent and how to persevere. And here's the second point, and I promise it's not as long as the first one, all right? But it's a better one, all right? The second point is be focused on the ultimate inspiration. Well, what's the ultimate inspiration? Well, it's not a what, it's a who. Go back to verse 8. And Paul says to Timothy in the middle of these images, he says, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David. And then he continues that sentence. Let's just stop there for a second. So remember that Jesus Christ. In other words, that means keep on remembering Jesus Christ. Keep on remembering 
Jesus Christ. As you're facing the struggles, as you're facing the opposition, as you have to deal with stuff in life, whether it's your life individually or in the stuff of this world, you keep on remembering Jesus Christ and remember the reality of Jesus Christ. That's the first part of that. The reality of Jesus Christ. We find that here. This reality is, as he's saying, keep on remembering. That's like a rally cry. Like, remember the Alamo, or remember Pearl Harbor, or remember the Twin Towers. But it's even better than that. It's remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is, the, he is fully God. He is the p- fulfillment of prophecy. He is Jesus Christ. He is the seed of David, meaning that he is fully man as well. This, this Jesus Christ, the seed of David, he is fully God and fully man who knows what it is to hurt. He knows what it is to go through trials. He knows what it is to suffer. But he is the ultimate inspiration, the ultimate illustration of endurance and diligence. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 12 and finish out that verse in verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what's the next word? endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, this Jesus is the ultimate inspiration because Jesus endured, Jesus persevered, Jesus was diligent, and he is victorious. He is the ultimate inspiration and illustration for us today. So Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, look, this is how you keep at it. This is how you keep discipling others. This is how you endure hardship. This is how you keep pressing forward. This is how you work hard in the faith. This is how you are diligent to seek to be that approved worker, that vessel of honor, that holy and humble servant. Here's how. Remember Jesus. That Jesus is real, the Son of God. But not only be focused on the reality of Jesus... But he goes further, and he reminds Timothy to be focused on the resurrection of Jesus. Look at the rest of that verse. Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. So Paul is saying to Timothy, look... As we have to deal with the stuff in this world today, as we deal with the oppression, deal with the suffering, deal with all the struggles, let's remember Jesus Christ was raised from the dead because the resurrection makes the difference. The resurrection makes the difference. This Jesus that we're talking about today is not in a tomb. He has, been, he has risen from the dead. Jesus is who he says he is. This, Paul is saying, look, Timothy, this is the reason why I'm suffering. This is the reason why I'm suffering willingly. Because Jesus lives. Death has no hold on me. I'm not worried about death. I will suffer for him because Jesus lives. That's how to endure suffering. Because Jesus has been raised. He says, I'm willing to suffer. I'm in chains. Therefore, I strive, he says. Therefore, I endure. And so I am staying at it until the Lord calls me home, Timothy. But Timothy, you stay at it too. And here's the reason you stay at it. Because Jesus lives. I can face tomorrow because he lives. Amen? Amen. Now the question for us is, do we have that same unshakable conviction that Jesus lives? So much so that it makes a difference in our lives that we're willing to do whatever it takes to proclaim Jesus and live for him, enduring and being diligent. Be focused on the reality of Jesus. Be focused on the resurrection of Jesus. And then there's a third thing here. Be focused on the reaping for Jesus. Look at the latter part of verse 9 and verse 10. Let's read all nine. Paul says, For which I suffer, talking about the resurrection, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains, But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He said to Timothy, look, Timothy, look, I might be here in chains. I might be a prisoner in chains in this place. But I want you to know something, Timothy. God's word is not chained. 
And there are still many, Timothy, who are out there who need to obtain this salvation in Jesus Christ. You endure all things, be diligent to follow Jesus, because there is still much reaping to be done. There are still souls to be rescued. There are still people who need Jesus, and there are still fields to be harvested. Focus on the reaping for Jesus. This ultimate inspiration, the reality of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the reaping for Jesus. And then one more. The reward with Jesus. The reward with Jesus. Be focused on this, Timothy. Look in verse 11. He says, this is a faithful saying, that if we died with him, we shall also live with him. You see, friends, our sins were crucified with him on the cross. Our old lives have died with Jesus on the cross. But now we've been raised to new life in him. And so this world has nothing on us because we now live with Jesus now and forever. Y'all with me? And so we see, he says, this is the reward we have with Jesus. Be focused on the Jesus is real. The resurrection took place. We have reaping to do, and there's a reward. The old life is gone. It's been crucified. Now we live with him forever. Verse 12, he says, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we endure, we shall reign with him. We will be with the Lord. Great is our reward in heaven. Great is our reward in heaven. Our great reward is to be with Jesus. Amen? We're going to, listen, we are going to be with Jesus. Y'all like that? I mean, we're going to be with him, all right? The one that we've been talking about, we've learned about, we pray to, the one we worship, we sing to, we sing, we are going to be with Jesus. That is the reward, being with Jesus. He says, think about this reward. And beloved, let me tell you something. The more I read the newspaper and look at the headlines and look at the news, I have a longing for a place called home. Amen? There's a day when we will see him face to face. And all this will be changed. The reward with Jesus. And then verse 13, he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Now, understand here these words he's not talking about that if we are losing our salvation, no, you can't do that. He's not talking about if we're faithless, that he remains faithful. He's talking about here that when we're going through difficulties and we don't understand. Sometimes we question, Lord, where are you in the midst of this? We don't understand. Where are you? Uh, how, how are you going to bring something good out of what's taking place here? Lord, we just are befuddled by this. And so we are faithless. I think about the man uh, who had the son he brought to Jesus and Jesus Uh, chastised him somewhat, and the man said, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So this here is that type of faithlessness. But he says, look, no matter what you're going through in your life, you're not sure how this is going to work out, and you feel like you're faithless, you need to know this, that as a child of God, he remains faithful. He keeps his promises. You're his child. We may not know what he's doing or how he's going to make all this work out, but friends, but God... The Lord Jesus cannot deny himself. He keeps his promises. He remains faithful. So if you had to summarize all this down, Paul was saying to Timothy, Timothy, look, this is not going to be easy. The life in which I'm leaving behind, you're now picking up, is not going to be easy. There are going to be struggles. And so this is what you need to know, Timothy. A life, listen, a life lived for Christ may not be safe by the world's standards, but it is secure by God's. Amen? Let's look at it again. A life lived for Christ may not be safe by the world's standards, but it is secure by God's. Timothy, be focused. Church, be focused. Don't get sidetracked in all that's taking place. You stay focused. Being what God has called you to be and keeping your eyes fixed on Him. Three things to do. 
Number one, endure. That's simple enough, right? Just endure. Keep pressing on. Stay focused, but you keep pressing on as a disciple-making disciple, as a sold-out soldier in this warfare, as an able athlete being disciplined, sticking to the rules, striving for the prize, as a faithful farmer working hard, laboring to the point of exhaustion. You stay at it and endure no matter what comes our way. found a poem this week. You may have heard this poem. I, I kind of like poems, especially when they're good and they're funny, and I like this one, so that's, that sort of meets all that criteria. It's about two frogs, about enduring, all right? Bear with me. Two frogs, you may have heard this, two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl, a deep cream bowl. One was an optimistic soul, but the other took the gloomy view. I shall drown, he cried, and so will you. So with a last despairing cry, he closed his eyes and he said, goodbye. But the, but the other frog, with a merry grin, said, I can't get out, but I won't give in. He said, I'll swim around till my strength is spent. For having tried, then I'll die content. So bravely he swam until it would seem that his struggles began to churn the cream. And so on top of the butter, at last he stopped, and out of the bowl he happily hopped. So what is the moral? Well, it's easily found. If you can't get out, well, just keep swimming around. Amen? Endure. Amen? Endure. Keep pressing on. Secondly, be a vessel of honor. Be a vessel of honor. Now, chances are that when you go home this afternoon or this evening, you're going to go to your cabinets and you're going to look for a cup or a pot or a plate or some kind of vessel that you want to use. And as you get that vessel out, uh, you're going to look for it to be, meet certain criteria if you're going to use it for something. You want it to be empty. You want it to be clean. And you want it to be available, Right? If you've got a cup that you like, when you go to reach out of the cabinet, you want it to be empty. You don't want to find coffee in there, especially from three days ago, right? (laughs) You want it to be clean, and you want it to be available to you. That's where it is. Beloved, listen, that's how we're to be as vessel of honor. We're to be empty of ourselves, empty of this sinful world, clean before Jesus, and available to him. Amen? Be a vessel of honor that's usable, prepared for every good work. And then thirdly, know Jesus. You see, you can't remember him unless you know him. And if you deny him, then he denies you. That's what it says in verse 12. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And so you need to know this about this Jesus. You need to know that this Jesus loves you, and he came to save you, and he paid for your ransom, for your rescue, and for your salvation as he took your penalty and went to the cross on your behalf. Why do you do that? It's because of the love of God. We don't understand it, but we believe it by faith. We know people, and according to the scripture, who saw it, witnessed to it. And for, for centuries now, lives have been changed by the truth of that good news that Jesus came and died for us, but that he also rose again. Amen? He's been resurrected. Paul gave his life here for this Jesus, and many, 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 many others have done the same. His word is true. This Jesus died for you. He loves you. And what you must do to know this Jesus is simply take a step of faith, knowing that we're all sinners. The Bible says, for all of sin and fall short to the glory of God. We're all sinners. There's nobody perfect here. There's nobody good enough to get into heaven. No matter who you are, no matter how many times you've sat in the pew at church, no matter how much money you've given, you're not good enough to get into heaven. Because God is holy. As a matter of fact, he's holy, holy, holy. And we're not. So we can't get into the presence of holy God apart from him doing something for us. And what he did is he sent his son Jesus. We need a savior to save us. Jesus took our penalty upon himself, went to the cross. And so what we do is we accept, we know that we're sinners in need of a savior. We turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus in repentance. And Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. Believing with all of our heart that this Jesus 
We embrace that he is God's son who died on the cross and rose again bodily from the grave. As we do that, we're professing that he's the Lord now of my life. I'm no longer the master of my life. I'm no longer the king of my life. I'm no longer the Lord of my life. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Because as I have turned from my sin and turned to him and believe that he died for me, he has come into my life and he has changed my life. He's given me hope. He's empowered me with his spirit. He's enabled me now to live for him. So friends, if you've never trusted this Jesus, trust him today by taking a simple step of faith. But for those of us who have trusted the Lord, recommit your life to the Lord today. Why not recommit your life to him? To follow him by being, saying, Lord, I want to be focused on you to endure. There's much that we're having to deal with in this life, Lord. I want to endure the way you want me to. I want to be diligent the way you want me to. As people look at me, I want them to see a child of God. I want to be that vessel of honor. I want to be an approved workman. I want to be that holy, humble spirit, servant. And as we do, friends, let us keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. There will be difficult days ahead. But know this, the harvest is great. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you'd have your way in our hearts and lives today. Lord, may you take the truth of your word and just simply apply it to us that we may live this out daily. Lord, may we be reminded of your faithfulness to us. May we be reminded, oh God, of how you love us, how you've called us to to live this life out in front of other people. Uh, Lord, especially in this world when there's so much turmoil going on, help us to be faithful to your word. Be faithful to you and keep our eyes fixed upon you. We pray for those who may not know you. Lord, they'd have the courage to step out, take either Pastor Joe or myself by the hand and say, I want to know Jesus as Savior and Lord of my life. I want to invite him to be my Savior. So, Lord, I pray that you'd work in their hearts. And those of us who are your children, Lord, that we just make this time a time of commitment, a time of surrender. Maybe there are those who need to be baptized. Maybe there are those who need to... uh, make decisions of of surrendering to vocational ministry. Uh, Lord, whatever it may be that you're working in our hearts and lives to be a part of this church fellowship, whatever. Uh, Lord, help us to make those decisions and come forward and maybe just pray silently if that's what you're dealing with us about or have Pastor Joe and myself pray with them. Lord, we pray that you'd work in every heart and every life for your glory, for your honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, Lord, I need you.